0: Welcome to Australia on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. I'm Melinda Farrell. Joining me is national treasure Bharat Sundaresen. uh <laughs> Very excited. We're both in Adelaide but in different places, so we're managing still to record this. So still in T20 mode, even though Australia is not there. Uh, but Australia on 99.94 is your new home. I did that just for you, Bharat, for your Australian content, Uh, and we'll be dropping into your podcast feed uh, and on YouTube or the 99.94 app several times every week. So please rate, review and subscribe. Uh, Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. So we've got three things that we're going to talk about today, uh, looking a bit more at the aftermath of Australia's exit from the, the T20 World Cup and also a lot of discussion going around about about. What does it actually mean in Australia? Has Australia fallen a bit out of love with the the Australian team? Crowd numbers perhaps uh, disappointing a few people. And then we'll also look at what's next for the Australian team with the announcement today of the ODI squads to face England immediately after the World Cup final and also the Test Series uh, for the two series this summer against West Indies and South Africa. So lots to talk about. Bar up, but uh, first of all, let's let's have a little discussion about, about the wash-up. We, we did talk a little bit about specifically kind of what happened in that Afghanistan game, but I guess more generally as well, uh, I, I, there were some interesting comments from Glenn Maxwell in the wash-up about it, it sort of not meaning anything and there's the next tournament and the next tournament and the next tournament. It was funny because I was in that press conference and when he said that, I thought, I don't know if this is going to go down very well with some people. Um, I I don't think he kind of meant it to say that it didn't mean anything to him, though, the way he was answering it and all the different questions that were being answered. Um, I, you know, I, I think it was more a comment on just the, the absolute constant hamster wheel of cricket that they're on all the time. Um, and not wanting to dwell on defeat, I think that there was a fair bit of that. But it hasn't it hasn't flown well in some circles. How, how did you see that?
1: No, I mean uh, we were both there for that press conference, and the question was actually about the format. If you think, if you mm. if you recall, Mel, it was about uh, look, you guys uh, just lost one match, and you lost it badly. But the format of the tournament is such that you get knocked out. And uh, so what do you make of the format or something along those lines? That was the question. And um, at this point, Glenn Maxwell had already answered a lot of questions about, you know, what happened and why at that point, even though there was a faint glimmer that England might lose to Sri Lanka, which did not happen, um, that Australia will still sneak through. But I think everyone in that room kind of knew that that wasn't going to happen, even though Sri Lanka did run England close, sort of. So I think his response is more about, like, what can you do? You're right. I mean, he... That's what he was trying to tell the journalist that your question was right. It's fair, but what what do you ask me to do? Like, what can I do? It's it's happened that way. The game got washed off. We lost just one game. Does that make us a bad team? I really don't know. So, yeah, I mean, you just have to move on and, you know, and the next game is 24 hours away. It meant It's not 24, but 72 hours after the World Cup final. Um, you'll be back in Adelaide for that first ODI against England. So I think, but I, you knew, like you said, I knew as mm-hmm. well that it would be misconstrued, not just because Australia were, I been knocked out early, but also the mood around Australian cricket in terms of um, how, and, and we'll talk about this in detail in our second section, but about what, how much this even means to the Australian public currently in October or in early November, Australia playing this World Cup and them getting knocked out. But yeah, that's what I think Glenn Maxwell was um, was talking about. Um, and, and just speaking to Dan Vittori after that, Uh, after that press conference when he came for the mixed zone and we briefly touched upon it uh, on Saturday or when we recorded last. Um, Australia just did did not recover from that uh, big defeat to New Zealand. Mm. And he said, Vittori said, yeah, I mean, he's been in the IPL, BBL, T20 blasts everywhere where these kind of things happen. And, And it's true. It is true. And even in the IPL, which is a much longer tournament than the World Cup, you have that one game, RCB fans will remember... They're, them getting knocked out for 54 in one game, but still winning a lot of matches. But it's too much of catching up to do. That's in a long tournament. In a short tournament like this, also losing points in the washed-out game. Um, this, literally, like Glenn Maxwell said, what can you do but just to move on? Um, so it's, it's just... I think it's a bit to do with the format. It's a bit to do with what we said last time about Australia trying a lot of things, not working out. Unlike, you know, what happened last year when things... Everything they tried worked out. So are they really the best T20 team in the world? Definitely not. Are they world T20 champions or T20 champions? Of course they are. I mean, they were. I mean, they still are. Until (laughs) Sunday. Until Sunday, they are. They can. uh, Nothing's going to happen, which will bring Australia back, you'd think. Uh, You know, cricket's not that funny a sport. But yeah, so it's, um, it it kind of just embellishes that point that Australia were never the best T20 uh, side in the world. Uh, And they've been, proven not to be on home soil
0: yeah and we were talking about this earlier today we were chatting uh, up I think that perhaps Australia overachieved last year in in Mm. Dubai when they won that tournament um, where a lot of things went right for them they had some luck with the toss Uh, things they tried sort of clicked but I, I do think that that maybe they achieved more than what a lot of people expected them to. So then they come to Australia. They're playing at home. They're defending champions. All of a sudden, the expectations higher. Um, but I was actually thinking about if we can think back five million years ago to when we were at the SCG before the first match against New Zealand. You and I were oh. actually at the nets, and we we had a, we had a brief chat with Glenn Maxwell.
2: We did. Um,
0: and remember, and is he was, he was so excited. Right, he was. Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely so excited, remember, and he, he sort of skipped off at the end of our chat and he's like, let's go win a World Cup. Let's like, go win a World
1: Cup, yeah. He
0: literally said that. He was he was really excited and sort of sometime through watching the Australian team, it, it didn't seem really like a joyful, didn't, didn't look like they were having yeah. a whole lot of fun, no, did it, no, a lot no, of no, times. No, no, no. They looked yeah. at times frustrated. Not working out, like, uh, so it was interesting. I don't know if they looked like they were having a lot of fun. And I I think that's probably quite important, isn't it? I mean, no one's going to have fun when they lose. But um, I I was thinking about it because when I was watching New Zealand train and, like, New Zealand training, they just look like they're having fun and they're in a really sort of happy place um so i don't know how much is in that if it's just a thing where things start just coming apart a bit when certain performances aren't coming together and nobody in the australian side had an outstanding tournament yeah you'd have and, to say,
1: right no no absolutely and before we move on i have to say this like um when you say earlier today you were speaking, you were speaking to someone else about this, right? I don't want people to think that even when the camera is not on, all we do is talk about cricket. Mel and I have other interests <laughs> as well. Like, yeah, that you almost made it sound like all we do is talk about cricket, which is not true. Which is like, yeah, you know, we talk. You you spoke to some. That's why I I always always say when I was speaking to someone else, so that like you know it doesn't. Right. Oh, yeah. No. No. Yeah. Oh, I've I'm got I've
0: performance issues. Yeah. With my I'm
1: mic. Yeah, your mic has performance issues. I'm sure it's not you, Mel. Like I uh, don't know whether we should get any further into this conversation, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I, hate I think it, um, when it goes limp. Uh, <laughs> and so you should. So you should. Um, you now you're right. They just on the field, at least they just did not look uh, uh, at most times like a happy team. When Marcus thornes was hitting was hitting those runs against Sri Lanka, that's the one time I saw them jump up and down. And maybe I thought because it was just the second game that was a Philip they needed. But then the England washout didn't help either, right? Yeah. And then Ireland frustrated them. Afghanistan frustrated them and almost beat them. So yeah, overall, not a happy campaign. And um, literally, there's not much you can read into it either, because uh, now the next World Cup is two years away. The next T20i they play is in August, uh, which means there will be a new look side. How many of these guys? We kind of discussed this last time, how many of these guys will be there. So I don't even think this will need a massive post-mortem. Basically, you just have to say, look, it worked out last year. It didn't work out this year. Let's move on, find new players, find a new strategy, find a new approach, a new captain and move on from 2023.
0: Well, as we do look forward to that one, we're going to look forward Uh, in this podcast as well to our next section. We'll be back soon after this break where we discuss, well, what does it all mean for the Australian public?
2: You're listening to Cricket's Conversation on 99.94. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on podcast, YouTube or on the 99.94 app. We have India, England, South Africa, West Indies and now Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way is to follow us on social media at 9994DM by downloading the 9994 app or Google 99.94 on podcast. We speak cricket. Welcome back
0: to Australia on 99.94 with Mel Farrell and Barrett Sundaresan. Now, there's been a lot of talk about crowds crowd numbers, uh, some people thinking that it's a bit disappointing. Thank goodness, I've got to say, for all the fans from the South Asia diaspora, because we're from Afghanistan to Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, India, Pakistan, those, those fans have been amazing, even, you know, the colour from Zimbabwe fans. And, yeah, of course. Uh, although there was, funnily enough, a, a, a lot of Pakistani fans who seem to be uh, very much wearing orange and in the Netherlands camp as well, <laughs> funnily enough. Uh, but... That there has been this this sort of discussion that, especially for Australia games, the the crowds weren't huge. They weren't blockbuster crowds, particularly, I guess, here in Adelaide, which is a city that loves its T20 cricket, and they had a must-win game against Afghanistan, uh, but I think what was about 18,000 people. It was on a Saturday as well, so you would think all of those things, beautiful day. Um, So perhaps disappointing. Now... Uh, I don't know about you, Barat. I've got, I've got a couple of theories on this and I know that they've been pointed out. Partly this time of year uh, when people, it, it's like this thing that you grow up with and even though you're a national treasure now, you, you haven't sort of been brought up with this, but in the general Australian consciousness, cricket really starts just before Christmas, Right? It's a school holiday thing. It's when people, it always has been. It's always. I associated myself when I, with, when I was a kid growing up. School holidays was all about watching cricket. So there's a, it's a bit difficult to think already just because a lot of people who watch cricket in Australia are not diehard cricket fans like you might find in India or England where they, they're real cricket hardcore fans. They're people who like watching cricket in the summer. So, they don't tend to watch as much when Australia are playing overseas or they they don't seek it out in the same way. It's like being handed to them every summer when people are off on holidays as on free to air television and it's there. Uh, I don't think you can discount the fact that that what's for the past four years now, I think since the start of the 2018 summer, uh, and the broadcast deal was struck, that All Australia's home white ball internationals have been behind a paywall. So everyone grew up, every summer I grew up watching ODIs in particular, obviously, first. It was just they were all there. And then T20s more recently, it was just part of of the summer, Um, followed on from the tests, was all all a bit of fun and, and people loved watching it. Every summer since I notice on Twitter that people get really annoyed because it's behind a paywall. Uh, and that's not saying that Fox Sports don't do a, a great job of, of, of broadcasting it um, and it's not their fault that Cricket Australia struck that deal.
1: Exactly. But you
0: can't do something like that and, you know, take it away from a big portion of the population and then still expect people to have the same connection with that team. I I reckon there are a lot of... Casual cricket fans out there who just have hardly, have, have hardly ever watched um, some of the some of the players. Adam play Zampa, for was, yeah, yeah, Adam Zampa, Kane Richardson, even like a Marcus Stoinis, it, they're just not this the same connection. And go back to Australia winning the World Cup last year, that was also behind a paywall. So even Australia's success in the T Twenty World Cup. Has, has not been that easily accessible and and I wonder if that is a, a big part of it and that and the other thing I'll say too from before I let you give your two cents worth from coming in, I, I do find that it's a bit ironic when I'm hearing former players uh, who have big voices here, they're very influential sort of saying, yeah, you know, maybe the, the team is a bit on the nose. I think it's because of the Justin Langer thing and all of, uh, you know, his exit last year. Those players with very influential voices basically spent all last summer doing a massive dump on the Australian team, the current players. And rightly or wrongly, like I'm not saying whether I agree or disagree yeah, yeah, with yeah, them. Yeah, of course
1: not.
0: Yeah. But whatever you, you thought of Justin Langer's exit, there was a concerted almost campaign by the former players to support Justin Langer. Some of the criticism of the players and Pat Cummins, in particular even Aaron Finch, was quite personal um, and, you know, pretty jaw-dropping. So you, you then I think it's a bit disingenuous to sort of be there wondering, well, why is there not the support for the Australian team? Um, because I, I, I think that's been a part of it as well. Um, yeah, so I, I just found that a little bit disingenuous, I think, just in, in having the self-awareness to realise, like if, if, if all the loud voices in Australian cricket are dumping on the players, that might have a knock-on effect down the road, maybe. What do you think?
1: No, I actually agree with both your points. Like one thing I've learned in Australia is a lot of what or how Australians go about their life is um, as, as silly as it sounds is very weather driven, like very climate driven. Um, if, if, if the sun's out, you, you, it's like, you have to go to the beach. It's, it's like you have to, you know, and I'm not saying a hundred percent of them, but 80% of them. It's like, if the sun's out, you put your thongs on, you put your causes on, depending on which part of the country you're in, you get into the water, you go to the beach. That's just, that's how it is. And similarly, like if it's till the time it's cold, the only sport that you can relate with if you have to put your jumper on and have like three, four layers on is football, whatever football it is, NRL, AFL or soccer or whatever it is. If it's cricket, then, you know, you put your thongs on, you kind of put your shorts on, you basically dressed up like me. That's what I mean. You take your Eskies and then you go watch some cricket, whether it's Sheffield Shield cricket or whether it's the Marsh Cup or if it's international cricket. And I think that has played a huge role, this uh, sort of random world event being held in October. Um, uh, Also, the fact that they've been played in big stadiums. I think one of the main reasons, and you know this better than I do, Mel, that WBBL has been such a big success is because it's a family affair, right? It's held mostly at the North Sydney Oval, the Karen Rolton Oval. Yeah, there are a few games at these big stadiums but where like even if it's cold you can just like you know bring your family out you can uh, fire up a barbie how australian do i sound now uh <laughs> and so you know australian. you can <laughs> so you can actually have make make a day of it but now with the world cup if you are going to watch a game at the optus for example it's cold and it i was at, at that game it was it was a very cold bizarrely cold night in perth um it's not something that I've seen Australians really want to do. Like you know, put everything on it. It's it's like it's not it's not that big a deal for a majority of them, unless you're a proper cricket fan. And the twenty five odd thousand who did come, if you leave the Sri Lankan fans aside, must have been hardcore cricket fans for them to come, brave the like you know cold weather and and come and watch the cricket. And I think that's played a huge role in this whole thing. You're absolutely right. Before December, nobody really even starts talking about cricket unless the sun's out. But then. Um, like I said uh, the other day on, on air, if, if the sun is out, why would you choose the Adelaide Oval and not Glenelg? Like, you know, go to the beach. It it's, 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 It is... Unless it's a Test match. You know, the Test match... And a lot of people who are not from here um, feel like, oh, they come here and say, oh, but Test cricket is alive and kicking in Australia. But I think it, that has a lot to do with the cultural side of it as well, right? Because for Australians, what I've learned is... That watching Boxing Day is 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 a is a national holiday. I mean, it's a thing. Whether you follow the AFL Grand Final or not, you will watch it. Whether you know anything about horses or not, I was asked about my pick for the Melbourne Cup. Like I have been for the last two years. I don't think I've got it right, but like I have been. Like you know, because it's a thing. You have to like inisha's school. Whether she is into horses or not, she's asked to like at least put one dollar like bet on something because it's like a tradition thing. I think all that plays a huge role in how sport gets watched and consumed in Australia. And even the bit you spoke about, it not the white ball stuff not being on free to air since 2018. So there's that whatever connect they had with, say, a Dean Jones or even a Ian Harvey or an Adam Dale back in the day. I mean, Adam Dale's a great example, right? Like, you know, it's uh, he would have been the Kane Richardson of that era. But people still like talk about Adam Dale's great catch. How many people in Australia will actually put a hand on their heart and talk about Kane Richardson's great performances? Not because there haven't been many. But how many of them have watched it? And I think that plays a huge role in it. And to your final point, uh, again, it's a cultural thing, right? Uh, So many people I've met in Australia since I moved here who said, that made, I used to watch cricket, but after the Cape Town thing, after the sandpaper thing, I've given up on it. I've just, come. I don't know why they sound like Ravi Shastri, but they say, I've stopped watching it. (laughs) I don't watch it anymore. Like it's, with cricket, the standards or the morals are always, and that's a discussion for another day are always held to some higher esteem than, like, the football players for some reason in this country. And as a result, like, people just walk away from the sport if things happen which they don't agree with. And the Justin Langer thing is a great example because the majority of Australians in that slightly 40-plus age bracket who grew up idolizing Langer and Gilchrist and Hayden and John Mitchell Johnson and Brett Lee and all of them, um, so obviously for them, it's, yeah, it's a slight on them. I mean, it's it's almost personal that the fact that the current lot did what they did with Justin Langer. It's like a generational war, not just within the dressing room, but I think away from it as well. So I think it makes a lot of sense that people have, I and I heard this in Perth, Mel. I was speaking to a lot of Perth regulars without taking names. And they said, yeah, a lot of people are not going to come because, you know, Justin Langer, uh, uh, this is Justin Langer country and you know how he was treated. So they won't come. Because they don't like this team anymore, so it's it it is just how it is, and I think all of that has played a big role in why a lot of Australians haven't showed up. And now I can take a deep breath.
0: Yeah, you can. It just reminded me a bit with the whole trashing of the team last summer. It reminded me a bit of the um, MOU war when Cricket Australia were mm. really happy to 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 allow stories to run, you know, um, that were not very positive about the players because it, it was kind of seen as a good negotiating tool when they were negotiating the MOU. But then it's like, well, in the end, if you're trashing your premium product, it's it might not be good in the long term. So, so we'll see. We'll see how that plays out um, and how it pl- plays out over the summer. It's going to be quite interesting. Justin Langer is in the uh, commentary box for, for Channel 7. Because, um, I, it, it, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if there's not great relationships between at least some of the current players and some of the past players who are in the media. So it would be an interesting one to look out for. Anyway, uh, now it's time for our final break. Uh, and after that, we're going to be talking about what's next for the Australian team and a look at the squads for the ODIs and tests.
2: If you love the language of cricket, and want more? Then head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all of our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series from all over the world. Be the first to hear all of our announcements by following us on social media at 9994 DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation.
0: Welcome back to Australia on 99.94. So all over Red Rover for Australia in the T20 World Cup, but it's straight on to the next thing, which is this three-match ODI series against England. I mean, it's kind of crazy. If if the T20 World Cup is rained out on, on Sunday and the forecast isn't looking too clever and they have to play the rain day if England make it to the final they're not going to have much time to haul their butt so back here to Adelaide to play in that so it's really close it's only like three days later or something two days
1: um, like yeah I think fourteen. I think it's is, two days after the, the
0: reserve day
1: yeah exactly yeah
0: or something there's a couple of days but not yeah not very many so now we're back to a bilateral series where probably it'll be behind a paywall again um but also this, this whole thing of what does it mean? Well, it, it's essentially the start of the turning of the focus to the 50-over format with another World Cup next year, albeit in very, very different um, conditions in India. But I guess it's an opportunity to for both sides, for England and Australia, just to get an early marker. On sort of where they are um, now. Australia, England announced their selection. They've got a series in Pakistan, so they've got I think four or five players who will be leaving this this group, but they've still got a pretty decent um, white ball lineup there. And Australia have you, you, what you think is their first choice team as well. Um, very so I've seen it called conservative selections, but it just seems like it's the it's pretty much the same team that we're used to seeing with the one big change of no Aaron Finch after his retirement as captain, uh, and uh, instead of him, Travis Head, your mate, Heady,
2: coming Hedy. into
0: to the side. So I was like, I know you'd be really happy. I literally can't see him walk out onto a cricket, <laughs> into a cricket ground anymore without going, Hey, just because of you. I, I actually <laughs>
1: saw, saw him today, this morning. I mean, it was so, I uh, walked into the, to the, cafe at the the Adelaide Oval and, you know, this build-up. The Indian team was there and there's always this weird nervy air around the Indian team when they're practicing, right? But thankfully, before I saw the Indian team, I saw the South Australian... uh, the Yeah, Harry and Hunty and uh Brendan Doggett, uh, I don't know doggo like I don't know what they call it sorry, <laughs> and they're all sitting to sitting together and having like a chat about their next shield game. Harry Nielsen was there as well, so it I had a like you know it felt really like i, I felt warm inside just seeing them, like you know knowing that <laughs> um everybody else will leave, and they'll be around in a week's time, but yeah, no, no, you're right, uh, it's the time to move on. Uh, for Australia, the 50-over cricket. It's a full-strength team. Somewhere I read that it's the first time in 20 months that Australia will play a 50-over match with a full-strength team. There's just so much happening in cricket. I wasn't aware of that, to be honest. Um, but but yeah, uh, there's no... Like Glenn Maxwell said, it's and you said, it's on the hamster, back on the hamster wheel for them. Um, uh, it it's actually a, will be a fun series if you are into... Into it, considering England, even though with a few absentees, will still be a strong 50-over side. Um, and, and, but the only problem is now you're talking about a series again behind the paywall. Unlike at least some of the World Cup games, or most of the Australian World Cup games, were on free to air on Channel Nine, if I'm not mistaken, so people could watch it. So all these games are behind the paywall. People are still kind of kind of getting their head around. Oh, there was a World Cup in Australia, got knocked out early, yeah.
2: um,
1: and, and then also. The bigger problem, or not a problem, but the bigger challenge, the fact 50 over cricket itself as a format mm, hasn't really created a lot of interest. I thought the uh, games against New Zealand and Zimbabwe were fun because they happened pre-season. I mean, if you're saying this is pre-season, imagine what it was like when they happened in August and September. Uh, So, yeah, so it'll be a good series. But um, again, how many will be watching and... uh, Yeah, and we're not even getting into it. I know a lot of people in Adelaide who have not even heard. People who are cricket fans are not aware that there is that ODI happening. Because right now, all the advertising is still about the World Cup. At least it will be for another two days when the semi-final is played. So, uh, that'll be interesting as well. How many people actually show up for that um, ODI. At least the weather's really picked up here in Adelaide. As you know, Mel, you're also here. Um, But yeah, I mean, Australia are moving on. That 50 over World Cup is not too far away. New captain... Um, will we see David Warner captain at some point? Who knows? All that comes into the equation now. But to start with, it will be Pat Cummins. Uh, but there's also the Test squad.
0: Yeah, Test squad as well. And again, it's it's a but same same really. When you look at last mm. summer in Australia, exactly, they've retained Marcus Harris. Um, yeah. So that's probably the that that was probably the only position that you might have thought is there a bit of a question mark there? I mean, they had a big squad last year. Be- because of COVID and the bubble, so there are a few around you. Your mate, Michael Neeser, doesn't was, make the call. I
1: wasn't, yeah, I knew, oh, I knew it was coming. I
0: know. Uh, <laughs> Scott Boland is, is still in there, yeah. though. But I, I don't think there were any too, too many people surprised. I know there's there have been calls for maybe Matt Renshaw to come in and get a go and yeah. there's an eye on the future looking at, at maybe a Henry Hunt, for example, but... Um, I don't know that there was nothing in there that is particularly surprising, I think. Marcus Harris has had um obviously a few opportunities in the test side. He's never really cemented it and nailed it, but um he's he's had some good domestic runs as well. And I guess this idea that um that George Bailey out of the selectors, has, has been pushing about getting an extended run and showing confidence in players, uh, not not dropping them after a couple of performances. So it, it, it just sort of seems... It's really funny, I was looking at it, when you think of the um, T20 squad and main side for the T20 World Cup last year and then the sort of... Uh, the Australian squad that you would think of as your first choice Australian squad for ODIs and the Test side as well, there just hasn't been a lot to really make you go, oh, that's an interesting choice. Mm. In any Australian select- selection, maybe Jim David in the T20 squad was the most out-of-the-box one in recent times. But, yeah, the Test side, it's, it's all very settled.
1: Yeah, I think the only uh, news related to it, I I guess Dan Bredig has written a piece uh, and I bumped into him as well, so did you today at the Adelaide Oval. uh, And um, he's pretty confident that, uh, yes, this is a test squad for the Australian summer, at least the first two test matches against the West Indies, then there's South Africa as well to come later. But he's very confident that um, there will be uh, vacancies that'll open up for that India tour and the likes of Peter Hanscom who's had an outstanding start to the Sheffield Steel season. A lot of runs last year as well. Uh, Matt Renshaw is now back at the top of the order batting really well playing spin really, really well. Uh, and even a Glenn Maxwell uh, who almost played a test match in Sri Lanka um, will be given a go and that they might get to make that make the cut to go to that Indian tour. They'll get some red ball games. It'll be interesting to see when that happens. But for now, you're right. I mean, it's really as expected. Who knows if Will Pekowski um, unfortunately hadn't taken another break from cricket. Maybe he would have come back uh, as the third opener. Uh, but yeah, Marcus Harris lost his place in this side after I thought playing a really good innings in, in Melbourne. Where, uh, where nobody could really bat put bat to ball. Uh, I mean, he was lucky he didn't have to face Scott Boland. <laughs> but I, I, he played a, a good hand. He just needs that one big score. So they decided to stick with him. Um, and yeah, I mean, not not much home to, or not much else to really write home about, as the old cliche goes. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it, we'll have to wait and watch. But for now, it's that one day series, and uh, yeah, you and I will be there at at least. I, I'll do the Adelaide game. I know you're traveling around for the other two games as well. Uh, but yeah, it'll be a completely different feel. But again, will there be people enough people to make it feel different? I don't know.
0: Yeah. Be very interested to see how uh, the crowds shape up for that one. Um, well, that's the show for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Lovely to tra- talk to you as well, Barat, uh, our national treasure. I'm just going to keep calling you our national treasure. Oh, yeah.
1: And also remember, like when we talk off camera, we talk about non cricketing stuff. Okay. Like, um, yeah. We talk a lot about Do food, we? actually, if you think about it, Mel. Do we? I mean, yeah. We haven't in a long time. But that's what we used to talk about when I can't you were still remember. an orange.
0: I can't remember the last time we talked about food. I used to send you pictures of whatever I was cooking. <laughs> I know
1: exactly. Yeah, I miss those days, yeah. You so, send me pictures
0: yeah. of your dogs, but then yeah, I, I feel special um when you send me pictures of your dogs until then like 10 minutes later you put them on social media. So um,
1: But you great. always get to see special. the proof. Priv- not all, yeah. it. you get to see some <laughs> exclusive pictures of them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I feel oh, I feel so uh, privileged, uh, privileged. You should be. yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. But we'll look. We'll be back in the next next few days uh, to discuss or well, something because something's always happening, and we'll, we'll start to look at a few things. Even though we are still very much in the World Cup bubble at the moment. Yes, your hair looks fine. Stop preening. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if you're just listening on the podcast, then yes, Bara is preening. Uh, if you're watching, you can see it. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back soon. for listening to Australia on 99.94, where we speak cricket every day. Not us just every day, but but other people as well. Uh, So please rate, review and subscribe whenever, wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at BeastieBoy07 and at Melinda Farrell, while ever Twitter still lasts. Uh, never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994DM. it every day, your way.
1: Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing.
0: Join us each week As we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team
1: members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been
0: waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get
1: ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at hitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast.